Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Avert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Happy Thursday, Simone. Happy Thursday. It's been kind of a busy news week, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Most certainly. Um, lots of other fronts, but coastal is no different. Right. What's happening? I know. I mean, Audubon's been in the news a little bit mm-hmm. as it relates to one of our favorite restoration projects that we've yeah. actually highlighted so, so much times. on the show and such a centerpiece for Louisiana's coastal restoration, coastal master plan, the Caminata Headland restoration project and Elmer's Island, which is a part of it. So um, there was a proposal that kind of, you know, came to light that um, an airport, an airstrip would be placed on Elmer's Island, a what? Uh, which is a wildlife refuge and, you know, the shining star of... Uh, Louisiana's Coastal Restoration, Barrier Island, you know. Can you hear me roll my eyes? I know. Through the microphone? So Tristan Barrick, who we've had on the show before right. with uh, TimesSpeakingNonola.com, did a really great piece. I highly recommend you go and check it out. Um, needless to say, um, Audubon, Louisiana came out against it. Um, our director of bird conservation, Eric Johnson, saying, you know, basically that planes and birds don't mix, um, that... You know, this is a wildlife refuge. It's a $216 million um, investment in coastal restoration. At a minimum, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all we've talked about this before. All the work around there totals mm-hmm. over $300 million. Mm-hmm. There's so much work there. And more is coming. More is coming. And so, yeah. So, I mean, it just it's, it has this little puzzled. So, we're asking some questions, but... Um, that- I thought Tristan did a really great job laying out so many facts about it. And I think, I think it... it is a testament to how much Tristan cares about that project. He said that like on his first day on the job, that's where he went and he's followed the project. And so um, I think that's because Tristan was invested in that Mm -hmm. project. And so he, it was a really great in-depth article talking about the different species and they taught, they tapped different experts. Um, Eric was certainly one Mm -hmm. of them. And, And so I thought Tristan just laid out a really great case about why it's, sounds like such a bad idea yeah. well and, and i mean it started to get national coverage there was the an associated press story that's been getting picked up um so it's definitely one that is kind of we're still figuring out where it's going to go we're going to be following it so we'll hopefully update our listeners as as more we're very proud of happens. our projects here mm-hmm. for sure um but we also need to be sure we're putting our money where our mouth is too Absolutely. right and so. it's not just about what happens in terms of getting the projects constructed, but like we, we right. need to protect these places right. after they're constructed. Right. Right? Cause certainly it, it could mean it could have an impact on future projects, mm-hmm. right. And future mm-hmm. money that we get. And so, um, yeah, I thought Tristan did a really good job. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. Okay. Well, we'll follow that. What else is going on? We have a couple of roar events coming up that we're, Ooh. we're pretty, ex- Oh yeah, there's a big one in October, right? Yeah. So we are, um, we are bringing in, um, 1100, 1,100, wow. 1,100 uh, students from Terrebonne Parish Public Schools um, to the juniors, uh, 11th graders, to Fletcher Technical Community College. And we're going to talk to them about coastal careers. That is awesome. Nobody talks to me about coastal careers. Did they talk to you about <laughs> coastal careers? No, I'm pretty sure, you I'm know, pretty sure. <laughs> there was no coastal career, uh, yes. you know, a presentation at no. my school when I was in high school. But that's awesome. And you, you all have really carved out this niche of, you know, coastal literacy, access to coastal education. I was actually just at the Center for River Studies mm-hmm. and saw your video yeah, talking about outreach and education and opportunities for careers on the coast. 
Um, and so, yeah, that's so awesome that you're continuing that legacy and in Terrebonne. And in Terrebonne. So, of course, where I grew up and, and this idea is just to tell kids about so many different jobs that they have. And we're using a model that they actually use for oil and gas careers. And we said, you know what? We think this is such a growing sector that we could have this as well. So we have engineers and geologists. We have um, biologists all coming in um, to talk to the kids. And uh, we're going to feed them lunch. We're going to have demos. Lafouche Parish is bringing their airboat out and some other cool things. And so it, for us, it is a great way to weave together some of our work. We have support of Chevron, which we're really proud of, but we're going to show them the Coastal 101 mm-hmm. video. And then we're going to have our videos also available that we have at the Center for River Studies about all of us that do different jobs in Coastal. That's so cool and so important. Well, let's definitely yeah. touch base as that event um, nears. We have... Um, you know, some some breaking news that we're going to discuss yes, at the end uh, the of the show. But um, I'm so excited about our first guest. This kind of stems from a trip that you and yeah, I took um, down yeah. to, uh, you know, the East Bank of Plaquemines Parish. And, you know, I grew up there, but you, you know, uh, I was still amazed at it. And you certainly were amazed at the number of home elevations that we saw. Yeah. I mean, we were talking, just talking about Terrebonne Parish, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is something that happens so much down the bayous of Terrebonne Parish or home elevations. Um, and, and so I was so surprised to see it on the east bank of Plaquemines because as many times, at times as we've traveled on the west bank, I, I haven't seen that, right? And so that was something so interesting to me. So I'm so glad you followed up on that piece because yeah. I have lots of questions about <laughs> so how that works. So we literally saw the sign on the road for who's doing the uh, home elevations. And then, that, but <laughs> hey, your advertising's work, uh, working. And then exactly. we actually saw it on a Facebook group and some of the, the elevations that um, had been done by Atlas Shoring LLC. So I'm so excited to welcome to Delta Dispatches, Tom Ortis, owner of Atlas Shoring. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Uh, thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we're doing great, and we're excited to dig into this topic. I mean, it's one we've touched on, but kind of getting into the mechanics is going to be fun. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You said you grew up um, in Louisiana, and you all, I mean, you work here now, but you also grew up here. Is that right? Correct. Uh, believe it or not, I'm a Chalmation and proud <laughs> of it. Uh, but from there, I went to Metairie, and uh, I've been in several different businesses. But in the last 10 years, I got more into construction, and uh in the last five years, uh, we got into the shoring business, and uh, so much of it going on around us, and a lot of companies have come and gone, and uh, I'm one of the newer companies, but uh, I'm a hands-on owner, and, uh, you know, uh, things are going really good right now. That's awesome. Well, you'll be, pr- you'll be proud. You'll be proud. looking up, I guess we could say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's pun, pun intended. You'll be proud to know I of took course. Simone uh, to her first visit to Rocky and Carlos uh, mm-hmm. about a month ago. Mm-hmm. She really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You mean just the first visit? I go there every Friday well, seafood on Friday. Well, Tom, I didn't, I didn't know ladies were welcome. I didn't know that until. Oh, gee, you know it Jacques took my picture in front of that. Um, no, Jacques is a very proud East Bank, uh, where, you know, res- well, where he grew up. And so I-, I was so surprised. I grew up in Homa, and we just said that, but like, you know, down the bayous, the, you know, five bayous in, in Terrebonne, so many elevations happened. And so I was I was surprised to see how many new elevations were happening in the East Bank of Plaquemines. So tell us, where do you work? Do you have a radius of where you work and well, where you do business? We go where we're needed, but basically most of my work has been in Plaquemines and um, uh, Jefferson Parishes. So look in the feet, right, right? Like places like a feet do a lot of home elevations. Yeah, Lafitte and Barataria on the other side of the bayou there. And then uh, a lot of platforms on the East Bank. And some West Bank all the way down to Port Sulphur so far. I'm just finishing up a job there. 
And, uh, you know, we got St. Tammany and, uh, and between now and, uh, next year to, uh, you know, they open up, uh, areas, uh, such as, uh, uh, between here and Baton Rouge, all yeah. the different parishes there. They got programs, uh, opening up now. So that's interesting. When you say they have programs opening up, that's mostly done through the parishes. How, how usually well, do the parishes, uh, uh, get it started, they make their request, and FEMA comes in and, you know, does surveys and everything, and, and they see what's needed, and, and I don't know all of the whole gist of it behind the scenes. Uh, that's not my department, but uh, they develop these programs, and they might have a budget, let's say, for $30 million, and, mm-hmm. and they'll see how many homes they can do for that, and, and then they pick people uh, uh, that are eligible for that, and then they go start the process. So tell us exactly, you know, Les, we have a few minutes and then we'll have to take a break. But walk us through exactly. You can take any home. You can take the ranch style home or, or anything, right? Um, and you can yeah. elevate that. Yes, I raise slab houses and uh, pier and beam houses, which are houses that are already elevated mm-hmm. a feet off the ground. You see them everywhere. They don't sit on blocks. And uh, those are a little easier than the slab houses, but we do both. And uh, we can, uh, most of my homes I've been raising up to a, in the V zones, which is the worst zone of all, velocity zone, but mm-hmm. of course, it really come flying in at 22 feet. Ooh, wow. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty high. That is and pretty high. Oh, yeah. You know, Metairie, most of the homes in Metairie uh, are around three feet. Uh, Plaquemines is anywhere from 12 to 22 feet. Wow. Well, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about kind of the mechanics of how you elevate a home as well as, you know, if you're a homeowner, what, what's the process to get started? We're about to head into a break, but do you mind sticking on with us for one more segment, Tom? No, not a problem. All right. Well, we're here with Tom Ortis, owner of Atlas Shoring LLC. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be right back after the break. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable 
Municipal Region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, also available online anytime at deltadispatches.org. I am Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. And we're back with Tom Ortiz, owner of Atlas Shoring, LLC. So, Tom... Um, we have lots of questions. We have for you, lots Tom. of questions. <laughs> we like to ask a fun question. So, you know, we want to get down to business with you, Uh-oh. but we got to... You're not going to ask me my age or <laughs> No, no, no. No, because we were going to have to answer those. <laughs> so, we'll just ask the, the easy, obvious question since you brought it up. Red gravy or brown gravy? I'm a red gravy guy, unless it's roast beef, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah that would just Rocky be and Carlos, gross. let's put a plug in for Rockies. I worked there when I was 13. Oh, fun. And, uh, <laughs> dollar an hour and all I could eat. Rocky would come by and see what I was making a big pile of fried shrimp, and he'd shake his head and move on. He'd be like, you're losing money with That is kids. so our quote. A dollar an hour and all you can eat. That's awesome. I mean, hey, I, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be a bad gig if you're 13. No, yeah. no, well, not when I'm 39 Pole years old. Were 80 cents. A shrimp pull boy was 80 cents and a, a roast beef was 60 cents. Then. I'm giving away my age a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll leave it at that. That's yeah. fun. That's a fun story. I'm glad we asked that question. Um, Jacques and I were, were just talking about, like I said, we have lots of questions about this. Tom, like how many, um, how many, like what's your crew on each home elevation? About how many folks work on one elevation? I probably have a crew of about 40 to 50 people. It varies. Now, it's a little confusing because they're not all there at once. Right, of course. I have a digging crew, then I have an elevation crew, I have my electrician, my plumber, plumbing crew, electrical crew, I have an HVAC if we have to fool with the air conditioning system. Um, you know, there's a lot of concrete work, which is probably the majority of the work. I have painters. If we do oh, painting, mm-hmm. uh, I do stucco work. Uh, and I got my carpenters. Probably the two biggest things are my concrete crew and my carpenters. You wow. Know, a lot of stairs and decking. And, uh, you know, um, I could go on and on, but I'd rather you ask the question. Yeah. So, I, I mean, know. I've seen on, you know, on Facebook, you've been sharing a lot of photos. Um, you must be busy. So has your business grown a lot in the last, you know, five years? Yes. Uh, I started this company three years ago. I was doing it with another company before that. And, um, I saw the demand in my backyard. I'm from here and I hunted and, uh, my, uh, uh, all my friends that I worked, I even worked in Plaquemines Parish back in the day at Amex Nickel Plant, Bergeron Shipyard. Mm -hmm. So I knew a lot of people down there and I thought it would give me a good edge. So I focused on that area. And uh, it's, it's proven to be a good strategy, you know. So uh, that's majority of my work at this time. You know? and, and a lot of the work that's happening right now in the East Bank is kind of in response to Isaac. Is that correct? Correct. Most of the money is Isaac money now. The Katrina money is pretty much run out. Uh, there was some of that up until a couple of years ago. So you guys, they mostly come from New Orleans or some some Plaquemines folks? Actually, that, that's a huge crew. crew. Yeah. Yeah, most of my crew, not all of it. But most of it is from the area. Yeah, that makes and sense. I look, and that's part of my selling point. My selling pitch, two things, is my crew's from the area. But number one is I'm from the area, and I'm a hands-on owner. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big company. I'm a one-man band, so to speak. You know, And uh, I put two to 300 miles a day on my vehicle, <laughs> running from job to job, and uh, you know, dealing with new, new clients and such, and dealing with the engineering and architects, the program people, uh, my subcontractors. You know, uh, you know, I'm not a salesman that 
the big companies uh, have. They have salesmen. They work on a percentage of a commission. And, you know, that's what I tell my customers. Look, these guys will promise you the moon to make that sale, and then you don't ever see them again. You see me at the grocery store. Yeah. You see me at the gas station. If you got a problem, I'm right there. You know, you don't have to go to nobody but me. I'm the owner, and I'll get it taken care of, which I do. Well, that's awesome. And I think, you know, employing the kind of folks in the local community yeah, is so great. And, and I mean, oh, yeah. I, you know, people that are raised in their homes on the East Bank, you know, I, I mean, grew up there. I know how special of a place it is. Simone's visited. She's she's seen it. I mean, they, they're doing it because they, they have maybe lived there their whole lives. Their families have lived there for generations. They want to continue to live there. They know there's risk, right? They're no, they know how bad the flooding has gotten. They want to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that? that? I mean, people are like, you know what, I'm, I'm staying here, but I have to go up. Yes, I find that a lot. Sure, some people of the older generation, some of them have moved out and just afraid to deal with it again. And uh, But I have lifted homes for a lot of the older people, and, and, and those homes, uh, I even put elevators in for them. Yeah, know? Jacques and I were talking about that. I was wondering, so 22 feet, that's pretty high. So you could add an elevator. That's like an additional thing you could add, right? Yeah, the, and the program pays for that. Oh, okay. And if the people have a doctor's excuse, you know, for mm-hmm. a, a disability or something like that, and uh, that money is, uh, that's another thing. All this is being funded by the government, you know, FEMA and its programs, and uh, most of these jobs are no money out of pocket. Yeah, and I think I think some of the rationale is, is just like, right, they don't want to have to pay for, you know, another disaster and pay some folks, exactly. right? So so they if they can avoid the risk. Like, Tom, what is an average house cost, and then what's the most expensive house that you've ever done? Well, you know, uh, I got houses from 80,000 mobile homes, say, uh, those go up pretty quick, uh, versus uh, I got some bigger houses. It, it all goes by the square foot. Yeah, I was going to say. 400,000, right. you know, and, and the heights vary, and, and, and there's so many variables. A slab house costs more than a wooden house. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 20-foot lift is a lot more than a 10-foot lift, and, and I can go on and on, you know, so there is a lot of variables. So it sounds like depending on your crew, like how long does it take? Does it take a week? Does it take, you I know? I can do a mobile home in four to five weeks mm. uh, and, a, and a slab home in about three months. Now, that's weather permitting, and you do run into unexpected issues almost in every house. You know, mm-hmm. different things going to happen. That, you know, it's always a learning experience. And uh, uh, it may sound like a long time to you, but the actual lift I can do in two days. Yeah, so is that when, like, a family's actually out of their house, just those two days, yeah, or is what it... what I do is promise them that I'll get them out and back in within seven days. Oh, wow, that okay. That gives me leeway for mistakes or problems. Yeah. Okay, not mistakes, but, you know, unexpected issues. So you're okay. doing all kind but of prep work. I in within 48 to 72 hours. They're back in that house. I build temporary steps, hook their plumbing back up, the electric back up, everything's rocking and rolling. And they just, you know, live there while I do the rest of the work. That's amazing. Yeah. I had no idea about that. So if I'm a homeowner yeah, really that, that's living um, down there, you know, and I, I may be interested in getting my home elevated, where would where would you go? Where should I go to, to learn more information? Well, uh, the program people, for some reason, kind of frown upon us, you know, just giving out their numbers and this and that. I never <laughs> they don't want everybody calling. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you know, they know they have a limited amount of funds yeah. and, and uh, you know, this and that. But to, to answer your question, Every parish has what they call now, in this area, a floodplains department. Mm-hmm. St. Bernard, or, uh, uh, Tangipahoa, St. Tammany, uh, Plaquemines, uh, Jefferson. They have a floodplain. So I would call the main office and ask for the floodplains department and say, hey, look, this is my address. I've been... Another thing is you've got to be flooded at least twice in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And that 
those requirements may change. Um, they like to get the people that need it the most first. Yeah. Tom, do you have so to have a match, Tom? Times, yeah. You know, so. So do you give it to you first? Do you have to have a match? Like sometimes, some depending on the way the program's structured, right? The homeowner might have to come up with a match, but not always. When you say a match, like they have to put up their own money, or oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. What happens is on the next second, third, fourth batch of money, the money gets less and less, and this, and they see that the quota still hasn't filled. What they'll do is a 75 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the most extreme I've heard. They got 90 tens, but let's go with 75 25. The parish put up 75%, and you put up 25%. Okay. Very interesting. You know, it must be a. So on a $100,000 lift, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, the average rate is anywhere from 60 to $100. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you got a 2,000 square foot house, it could cost 120000 or it could cost 200000 you know, with all those variables we mentioned earlier, you know. So it must be pretty uh, amazing if, if I'm a family and I've lived in this home for maybe, you know, years, decades, then to finally move into the home, the same home, but 25 feet in the air. Can what is that like? Can you view is different yeah. out of your window? Like, think about that. Oh, yeah, you got a view of the Mississippi River down there. <laughs> right, no kidding. A feet that is true. Yeah. And I call them the world's largest deer stands. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the backyard is, is, is they're looking down on their woods and their open fields. Awesome. And well, set up feeders for hog hunting and deer hunting. That's and awesome. On the back porch. <laughs> well, it was it was so good to kind of see all the work yeah, that's happening you, down there, Thanks and I'm, I'm glad we info. got to talk to you and get a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, for more information, you can go to atlasshoringllc.com. And thank you again, Tom, Thanks, Tom. And, and congrats on all the work that you're doing down there and, and elsewhere across the coast. Thank y'all very much. And if you go on the Rockies, give me a shout. I'll, I'll buy an, I'm buying lunch. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Appreciate so. it. All right. Well, we'll be Red back. Gravy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go right gravy. Um, we'll be back. Uh, we have two more segments. We're going to talk about some news, a poll that we released recently today. Um, you're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We'll be right back after the break. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. We're excited to bring back a familiar face or voice to the radio show. Um, I say this all the time. He was our first guest. First guest. Yes. Yeah. And I think we've had him on once more before, but like we like to keep him for special occasions, mm-hmm. you know, kind of. But uh, Steve Cochran, uh, campaign director, our campaign director with Restore the Mississippi River Delta, is also um, vice president with Environmental Defense Fund. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches, Steve. Hi there. How are you guys? This is the part where Steve tells us, I never thought y'all would last this long. We talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> is this a recording? <laughs> well, Steve, y'all had a, uh, we were talking about this big news week, about lots of other things, um, but Coastal too. But y'all had some big news that y'all released today too. Let's talk about that. And then, uh, and then later we'll talk about some of the other coastal issues happening. Tell us about what the news was today. Well, we do, um, I guess for the last uh, four or five years now, we sort of do an annual call to kind of see what the pulse is and how people are feeling about restoration and the things that need to be done. And uh, and the numbers are, are um, su- uh, not surprisingly, but really quite positive, I think, from, from Louisiana's perspective. Um, gosh, they clearly people believe in coastal restoration. That's not a big surprise. Uh, we've got to have that here, and, and that's 
what so many of us are working on. Um, but what was encouraging really was sort of the recognition that some of the news isn't great, which is, um, uh, and there's still a great deal of support. So one of the numbers that really stood out to me was um, the number 97%, which is the level of support that exists even when you tell people, look, we're not likely to save everything uh, that we'd like to be able to save. And so people... That sort of the reality of that is really hard. It's harsh. You know, it's not anything that any of us like to think about or talk about. It is the reality of it. But people said, "Look, you got to keep going. You don't, you don't back off because you can't get everything you want." And ninety-seven percent agreement on anything today is amazing. And I just was really, really glad to see that. And I think it speaks really well of of Louisianians who are saying, "Let's go." So I agree. I mean, I was shocked by ninety-seven percent. Right? I mean, you get ninety percent, ninety-seven percent on grandmas, right, and apple pie, stuff like that. <laughs> and it's it's nice. It is real compliment to the work that's being done. So that that's very encouraging. I think the uh, the other thing that really sticks out again, not terribly surprising, but good to confirm and important to communicate, which is that people really want to make sure that the money that's been dedicated to this that comes into the state and the money that's already here gets spent on coastal restoration. It doesn't get put on something else. It doesn't get spent somewhere else. Um, and that's a, that's a always important to keep in mind and always important to stay focused on because when there's money on the table, it has a tendency to start creeping off towards other people's pockets if they can, <laughs> can figure out how to do that. And, and in this case, um, the public is very, very strong in saying that's not what we want to do, not only we want to make sure that the current money is spent. We actually think we need to spend more money on this. And those numbers are really strong. They're in the 60 70% range, and, and it's just something that we really are glad to see and really important to continue to communicate so that people can have faith that this work is going to be done and it's going to be done the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, and I mean, especially, and, and our um, pollster said this earlier, but, you know, given the context of what's happening and what's been happening in the state budget, you know, the fact that people are still saying, no, we realize how important this is and that we need to generate more money for it. We need to protect the money that we have for it um, kind of speaks to how serious this issue is in people's minds. I think that's right. And that's, and, it, and again, it's not, it's not terribly surprising. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, that people have really come to, I think, understand more and understand that the state is making a, a really significant, serious effort at, at trying to make sure that, that we can hold on to as much, that we can have as much of this Delta as, as we want, as we need, uh, and and, uh, and they really want us to stick to it. So that's that's just really good, good, good news, I think. So I want to dig in a little bit more to some of the other questions, but first tell us a little bit about the poll. You know, uh, who conducted it? Um, you know, who did they question? Um, you know, kind of what areas was the poll conducted in? Um, give us a kind of like the background on the poll. Sure. So the, the, the firms, or a couple of firms here, um, uh, Greg Rigamer, who is a longtime uh, 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 political uh, guy, as well as a demographer, it's his formal training, uh, and Bernie Pensonette, who, uh, who's been doing polling, I guess, for the last, uh, probably last three decades in Louisiana. They're both very smart, very um, experienced uh, pollsters, and, and they're, the, they're the guys who did the work. And they did a, a full poll, and that means that, uh, in this case, I think 809 uh, 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 people who, who responded, and these were all uh, what's called, it's a funny term, but what called chronic voters uh, <laughs> who, who, vote, who vote all the time. Like it's a bra, you know, like something you catch. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't it? Uh, and, uh, and, and so, so what they do is they, is they get uh, the, from the registrar of voters, they get the list of voters who vote 
um, all the time. And, and then those are the people that they call. And then when they've gotten 809 of those across, in this case, it was across the coastal, uh, all the coastal parishes, as well as a couple of the parishes. Well, I basically think it was all the parishes that are below I-10 uh, or border I-10. So you got a full good sampling of coastal Louisiana that way. And that gives a Sort of a plus or minus margin of error of about three percent. So, so that's good. And then the other thing that was done um, is they did some. Uh, they broke that up into regions, um, so that you had uh, uh, the Blackmans and Saint Bernard, for example, was one area, and we did some oversampling there, so that we would have some statistically valid numbers to see how folks there were feeling. Did the same thing um, in uh, in the central area in the southwest area and then uh, along that sort of i-10 corridor so we sort of broke it up into regions so we could kind of get a sense of of each of the areas that had some commonalities in that way and one of the things that we uh, i think we're surprised to see but encouraged uh, uh we're, we weren't surprised to see a lot of support for um these big projects called sediment diversions which is basically using the the power of the river and the sediment in the river to to rebuild land uh, particularly where uh, where we can do these sediment diversions. And um, a lot of support for that. I think the number across the coast was like 79% favored that on just a straight up, um, are you for or against these kinds of big projects and or these sediment diversions. What was good to see as well is that in, in Plaquemines and St. Bernard, that number was 70%. So a lot of support there among rank-and-file voters uh, really see the, the benefit and, and want to go forward with these things. So I think since there's been some controversy around that, it's good to see that people sort of sorted through that and, um, and are feeling good about the need to move forward there. So that kind of stuff. Steve, I think Jacques and I are going to take credit for that. Um, you know, we bring forth great issues here on Delta Dispatches. We've had um, our friends talk about sediment diversions. I, I think we're going to take credit for that. Well, I was wondering where that came from, and now I get it. Thank yes, you. yes. You're welcome, Steve. You're welcome. It's very interesting to learn how the polling works. I'm very glad you asked that question, Jacques. Um, just, you know, how they get calls, those kinds of things. I have to say I have new, have new respect for polling. Um, I answered a poll they called earlier this week, and, and I, I answered it. I took the time to answer it. I thought it was really interesting, and I know now what happens to those results, and it's just an interesting process to learn. One of the things that was interesting for the, the process, you know, pollsters have been having a harder time because so many people have gone to cell phones. True. Uh, and, and they've really tri- typically only been polling around landlines. And in this case, um, they were able to get, they don't do robocalls, they do um, uh, trained operators, people who actually dial, you know, and call. And, and, and so when you do that, then you can use cell phones. And they, I think this was about 52% of these were cell phones. So they're actually talking to people. I mean, I, you know, they, I don't answer my phone at home. I have a landline, but I don't ever answer it. So I know exactly how hard it is, you know, and then a lot of people just moved away from them altogether. But yeah, and only have cell phones, right? Yeah, that's right. We need now need a text poll, right, or a Snapchat poll. <laughs> <laughs> we could do our Instagram posts, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly, right, right. So, Steve, what did you find the most interesting um, from today as we close out our discussion on, on the polling? Good, or, well, you know, findings or, you know, those kinds of things. I just, it's, it's, um, you know, we, we, we're not going to be successful in Louisiana without, without strong public backing, strong public support to continue to keep motion moving forward and to be able to help make some of the hard decisions that over time we'll have to make. And so seeing people knowledgeable about what's going on, supportive of the master plan, supporting of the big projects that need to be done, really wanting to make sure that the money stays where it's supposed to be. Those are just really encouraging things. And I think if you have that kind of support, 
then, then you can move forward. And I think that's where we are. So very encouraging stuff. That's great. Well, you know, we want to um, talk a little bit more about that before we uh, come when we come back from the break. I will say my most interesting takeaway, and I'll let Steve talk about this in the next segment. We asked a question about, you know, how do you foresee coastal land loss impacting you in the next year, five years, 10 years? And this is not just, you know, you know, Lower Plaquemines, Lower Terrebonne. This is all the way up into Baton Rouge and, you know, St. Tammany and those areas. By year 10, it jumps to 77% of people believe it'll have a direct impact on their lives, which is pretty amazing. I was at a birthday party for uh, my little boy early this week, and the family moved from Shreveport. And she said that that is something that they considered when they thought about moving to New Orleans. And they lived in Shreveport mm-hmm. about will land wow. loss affect them? Yeah. And I mean, that's amazing. They don't, you know, she didn't really know what I did or anything. That's really great to hear. Well, Steve, do you mind holding on um, one more uh, through the break so we can talk about? We want to finish closing out, you know, maybe some of the money discussion and some other coastal things going on. You bet. Great. You can find out more information on Mississippi River Delta.org backslash coastal dash poll to see the results. Uh, we'll be, you're listening to Delta Dispatches and we'll be right back after the break. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. I hung up on Steve. During the break. During the break. I'm sorry, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm going to compliment y'all on what professionals you can <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Simone. <laughs> there we go. You know, now he's really, he's now he's really counting down to the demise of Delta Dispatches. All right. So, Steve, we like to keep it fun. Um, and, you know, Simone and I were talking about Rocky and Carlos with our friend, um, the first guest, um, who's um, from Chalmette. And Simone has recently eaten at Rocky and Carlos. So I'm, I'm hungry now. So I'm in a food, uh, a food state of mind. So uh, you've been back in Louisiana, what, for like three years three, now? Three years. Okay. But you, I mean, you're a from lifetime. here and lived in D.C. A for a while. But so food-wise, what has been your favorite thing to have easy access to since moving back to Louisiana? Daiquiri shops. Uh, boy, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, like every culture has some form of um, of fried dough and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but... But none of them are as good as it's just good old beignets here. So I have to admit, just strolling down there every now and then and getting one is just outstanding. Getting a plate of them. So I, I asked, I asked Penny what she wanted for breakfast this morning. She's five. She goes beignets. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't make beignets. Did you whip that up, Simone? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, on demand. That up. On like, demand beignets. What five year old on a Thursday morning yeah. says beignets? Well, you're, you've also, you know, kept up your, your running a lot since you moved back. Because that's the thing. You gotta, you're got you eating more, but you're like, oh, do I have to exercise more? It's definitely a relationship there. Yeah. Um, Steve, I don't know if you heard this. Our first guest said that he worked at Rocky and Carlos's for a dollar and all the food he could eat. A dollar an hour and all the food he can eat. <laughs> so did they break even on that? Or they- <laughs> it sounds like they came out a loss. He, they, he did not say he was still working there. But. <laughs> so they had some coastal news come out last week, and, and one of them was that um, CPRA was soliciting new project ideas for the development of the 2023 Coastal Master Plan. That I mean, that's something, obviously, we get very involved with. So let's hear your take on that. 
Well, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a really good way to do things. I mean, they they open it up to the public. Anybody can submit an idea, and that their their criteria. You got to you know you can't just not have uh, not have done any work on on the idea. But uh, but uh, the idea that that people, organizations, really anybody who has uh, the kind of idea that can really help on the master plan can bring it forward. I think it's a great thing, and so glad to see them doing it. I think it's open until. March of next year, uh, March first, right? In, in, in this first phase, and so, so I think that's 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 to be encouraged. I'm glad to see him doing it. It is it is amazing to me that uh, that we just really just passed the master plan that we're currently implementing. Uh, it just seems like yesterday. I guess it was last summer, but uh, last last spring. But we're already starting on the new one, and that's just the nature of the scale of the work that has to be done, and the kind of of uh, really uh, high end engineering that's necessary to kind of do the work we need to do. So I'm glad to see him doing it, encouraging them to move forward, and glad to reach out to the public to really ask for people to be involved. So it's good. And Steve, it's been a while since we've, you know, talked about the master plan, you know, in that way, but kind of give folks a reminder to the iterative nature of the process and why that's important, right? I mean, some people would say, well, you have a plan, just, you know, do it. But like, yeah, just do it, right? Yeah. Right. Why is it important that it is updated? Yeah, I mean, I think that instinct is right. Uh, let's keep doing it. But but what you don't want to be doing is starting to go down the wrong path because you didn't look up and realize that things had changed. And so the way they set up the master plan process, which I think was brilliant, really, is that it's an iterative process. In other words, it has to be it has to be um, redone uh, every now every six years. Um, and what that allows for, which is really important, is the incorporation of the latest science, the things that we've learned about what's going on with sea level rise, what's going on with, you know, what projects have we already done and made that we, we can kick them out and put in new projects. All of those things can be incorporated into the plan. Advances in, in our ability to understand what's going to happen really matter, and we're able to incorporate it that way and really require to incorporate it that way so that we stay up to date rather than get behind and be stuck you know, doing something that we thought made sense 20 years ago, but guess what? It doesn't make sense anymore. So I think it's a really smart way to do it, um, and I think it's it showed up to be that way. And one of the things that I always remind people that in between the 2017 and the 2012 plan, I mean, 2007 and 2012 plan, we had an oil spill, and in between 2012 and 2017, we then knew what the fines were going to be from that. So, I mean, just how dramatically things yeah. can change, um, you know, in storms. We had Isaac and, and several things like that. So, um, Steve was right. All proposals, uh, they have to be delivered electronically by March 9th, and they can be proposed proposed by any source, including academia, parishes, elected officials, agencies, NGOs, landowners, business and industry, and the general public. And emphasis should be on projects that continue to benefit in the face uh, to provide benefit in the face of sea level rise and subsidence without continued maintenance. Those that make a contribution to maintaining estuary gradients in future decades and those that provide storm surge, um, storm surge based risk reduction at a community or regional scale. Um, so there is actually going to be a webinar coming up, um, but if you have more questions or want information, you can look at coastal.la.gov or email the master plan team at masterplan at la.gov. Also, Steve, they had some more news last week by our governor. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, uh, it looks like that on the fiscal year that just ended in, um, I guess, in June, right? Yes, end of June, right. There was a, uh, uh, they managed to save enough money, and um, it looks like it may be due to income tax uh, receipts. In other words, people making more money, um, uh, that there's going to be a surplus of somewhere in the neighborhood of 
$300 million, which, given everything the state's been through in the last several years, is really quite, quite remarkable. And usually we get halfway through the year and have to start cutting budgets again, and it looks like we're maybe past that for a little while. So that's encouraging. Um, and the thing about the surplus is, one, um, I think about 35% of it has to be spent, has to be put into the rainy day fund for future uh, savings and for um, buying down some of the retirement fund debt for state employees. Those things are required to do. And then the whatever money's left over, and that'll be about $195 million, I think, can only be spent on what are called one-time expenses, things like uh, transportation projects. And coastal is one of those areas where uh, money can be spent. Um, and so so that's a great opportunity for us to do what the poll says people want us to do. Exactly, right. Is to find more funding and, and really dig in. So we're going to be making that pitch to uh, to the governor and the legislature and encourage people to do the same thing. Uh, but it's, it's uh, there's an opportunity there that we want to take advantage of. Yeah, excellent point about the polling and very timely. Also, too, I mean, through our work, we've talked about this before in the show, through some of our work on financing, we also learn about how much, how many doors can open by, you know, just a little bit infusion of cash or, or opportunity like surplus, right? It can kind of start to trigger other projects, um, you know, either from NERDA or from other, you know, different ways that we can kind of kick off that finance train for Coastal. And so um, hopefully there'll be more discussion about that in the future, about exactly what projects Coastal um, might get. Uh, certainly the governor has highway, and you mentioned that was one of his priorities and probably a few other things. But, Steve, you didn't have a surplus when you were at the Capitol? You didn't get to deal with that so much? No? Well, I got to live through the other really, really bad. Oh, yeah, you went the other way on that one. <laughs> we were, boy, we were. We were, we were about as broke as we were this time. I, went, I had a chance to visit with the governor on something uh, back a few weeks ago, and we were both um, uh, lamenting <laughs> how much fun that was to be uh, to wake up every morning wondering if you're going to make payroll that day. Emptying out the Coke machines, huh? So, um, Jacques, tell us once again where we can find the polling information. Sure. Uh, MississippiRiverDelta.org slash coastal dash poll. Um, you can find the full results, our press release, as well as some charts that highlight um, the results. Thanks for being on with us, Steve. Steve, uh, predictions for LSU and the Saints this weekend? Uh, well, good thing they're not playing each other. <laughs> they're not playing each other? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, That's I'm, all you I'm, need to I'm, know about Steve. <laughs> I'm a homer and I'm a all right. Well, you heard. He said Saints, and he said LSU. I know he did. There we go. That's that's the right answer. All right, Steve Cochran. Thank you for being on again. We promise uh, we'll have you on soon, but not too soon because we'd like to keep you special. Once a year, whether you need it or not. <laughs> all right. Well, that's another great thank show. You, um, thank you, everyone, uh, for tuning in again. All episodes um, are available always. DeltaDispatches.org. Go online. Subscribe. Rate us. Share no, with your friends. Yeah, only rate us if you say good Rate us positive. <laughs> I will point out that Simone hit her head on the microphone <laughs> this show. She's always giving me... That's um, usually Jacques' job. Yeah, that. So thanks. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye.